2: Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder.
1: Hello everybody and welcome back to my podcast, The Real Real Podcast with me, Natalie Barbu. Today's episode, I have two amazing guests on, Victoria and Jasmine. They are the founders of Whimsy Official. And if you guys don't know what Whimsy Official is, it is a overall wellness brand and they believe that wellness and beauty are synonymous. So, pretty much they go hand in hand and they have created matcha ceremonial matcha to be specific because I didn't know what the difference was and we get into that in this episode as well as some adaptive collagens they also have an amazing serum that has been getting in the press and has been getting some raving reviews so I'm so excited to talk to them and we discussed how they came up with whimsy in their town of Auburn Alabama where they actually went to college and where they met and also how it became from a food truck essentially it was a um, matcha truck is what they call it to a very powerful online shop today and they are delivering wellness to people all over the country Um, and I think it is just really really inspiring their story on how they created this and very very quickly I will say this is a very new company and they are super super successful and you've probably seen them in press lately because their matcha their collagen their serum has been getting some amazing reviews from some of the biggest brands like um Allure hello the literal bible of beauty have that Allure stamp of approval I think that you're doing a great thing. And especially being such a young business, it's just really inspiring for me to see. I also wanted to begin to be a little more personal in my podcast intros. Some people like them long, some people like them short. I just feel like the podcast, we don't know each other that much. Like you guys don't know me that much. And I just really wanted to always include a little snippet of how my week is going and um, you know, just ask you guys the same. If you guys can DM me on Instagram and all of that good stuff but today it is a nice 72 degrees outside in charlotte north carolina the weather is finally warming up i am so excited and it just makes me really excited to be outdoors more i just recently got a puppy his name is bambino he's a beagle you guys can follow his instagram account i never thought i'd be someone that made my dog an instagram account but here we are and he is just the cutest thing but he's definitely made me more active i've been going on a lot more walks lately and it's just been nice with the weather being um so warm because i actually want to be outside it's not like a dread to go out in 30 degrees and take him on a walk so he's definitely been getting me more active and we've been enjoying our walks more which has been really nice because whenever I got a puppy I was like oh my gosh I'm gonna be so fit like I'm gonna go outside all the time I'm gonna take him everywhere and it's definitely been you know you have to train your dog to be able to do that and even training him to like walk on a leash but he's finally an amazing walker and I'm just so excited but I love listening to podcasts when it's warm out so I feel like uh I don't know if any of you guys are with me but do you guys go on walks and listen to podcasts because I get so excited to take him on a walk because I get to listen to my favorite podcasts so I'm always looking for some suggestions but let me know where you guys are listening to this and again it makes me really happy when I see you guys share the podcast on your stories so if you guys screenshot this post it on your stories and also recommend it to a friend this year I know I said this before but i'm really trying to focus on my podcast and growing it and i feel like we are you know growing steadily but i would love to really focus on it this year and see what it can become and have some even more like amazing guests and continue to have these amazing guests because i just feel like the people i interview have so many amazing things to share and if you guys can share it with your friends if you think that this would be helpful to them or inspiring to them that would mean a lot to me too But anyways, I also wanted to thank the reviewer of the week. The reviewer of the week comes from Maria. And she said, I'm not even halfway done with episode 98 and I am loving it. It's so helpful, especially since I've been wanting to learn more about the industry. This came right into my life. Thank you for always being so open. I keep up with your episodes every week. I'm looking forward to your next ones. Keep up the good work. Thank you, Maria. And I cannot believe you mentioned episode 98. We are almost at episode 100, which I'm going to be doing a whole solo episode, but can't believe we're already at episode 100. I think it's absolutely mind-blowing. So thank you guys for sticking with me throughout um, these past two years because we're coming up on two years soon. Um, and yeah, I'm just, I'm really, really excited, um, to have the hundredth episode, but anyways, let me know if you guys like these longer intros, shorter intros, what you guys think of them, but let's just get into the episode with the founders of whimsy official. introducing way's new anti frizz cream it is like a superhero for your hair it provides immediate frizz control that lasts up to 72 hours i actually brought it on a trip with me and my friend borrowed it and she purchased it right then and there because it was that good it's not just about taming frizz. It also provides heat protection up to 450 degrees, reduces inner pair split ends, quenches dry hair with intense hydration. And according to a consumer perception study, 90% of participants agreed that their hair looked less frizzy after using it, hi guys thank you so much for coming on my podcast hi Hi, thank you i'm so excited to have you on i can't wait to hear about how you guys created whimsy official but before we do that we're gonna get into setting the record straight which is some stereotypes and some assumptions and then you guys are gonna let me know if they're true or false so let's just get into it the first one is you need to be in a big city just to start a successful company
0: definitely Boss, you know, we started our business in 2018 and it looked a lot different than it does now as one official. We started it as a mobile matcha bar, which was so much fun because we had just, you know, got out of college. I dropped out, Jasmine graduated, um, but just didn't really know if she wanted to pursue that career path. And we, um, we introduced matcha and adaptogens and all these other health supplements to our small town, which was, um, it's Auburn, Alabama, where we went to college at Auburn University. And it just was a really amazing experience to watch how if you put in the work and do the education and um, you can really change people's perspectives. And, you know, being in the Southeast, health and wellness means something so different um, here than it does to people in, you know, the big hub cities like New York and LA. And so we just really educated people and focused on, Bringing those new concepts here, and um, yeah, it just it really worked for us.
1: Yeah, I feel like that's really true about the small town because you think that when you're starting something like matcha or something in the health and wellness industry, like oh, you have to be in a place where there's a million other like matcha companies or other health and wellness companies, but you have such an advantage of being one of the first ones in your town, and I feel like. People underutilize like they're the closest resources to them, which is like their neighbors and their friends and their family. And I feel like it's really you got you guys did have a slight advantage of going into a town where maybe there wasn't a ton of health and wellness spaces already there.
0: Absolutely. And something else I can add to that is that your overhead when you're not living in a city like LA or New York, you know, when you're a startup company, your overhead can be so much lower and. It's really great to be able to leverage that because, you know, we're big on crunching the numbers and making sure that everything financially really makes sense for the brand as well. Um, And so I know that as we made that really weird pivot from Matcha Bar to Cafe and then now to -to direct-to-consumer wellness and beauty brand, it has just really been a savior for us.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that's, that's really cool how you guys started and your story. And I definitely didn't expect you guys to be from like Auburn, for example, because usually again, like you were saying, you think of these places and you think that they're in big cities, but you guys are doing it right because your rent isn't crazy high as it would be if you were like in New York and, or LA. And then you guys again, have that like advantage of being in a smaller city. And the next one is, you need a co-founder to start a company.
2: So I would say that this is false. You don't necessarily need a co-founder to start a company because me and Victoria, we both have um, separate businesses outside of Whimsy Official and we run Whimsy Official together. But I know that what we're doing right now, um, I could never do without her. In a million years, we definitely play off of each other's strengths and weaknesses so well that this is, you know, kind of a perfect fit for both of us. And I'm really lucky to be working with somebody that I can communicate with so well and who also is my best friend, which I know for a lot of people that is difficult. But for anybody who's looking to have a co-founder, I just really recommend talking through things as much as possible, talking through what your strengths and weaknesses are, kind of like I said before, and that will really lead you to being the most successful in working with somebody else.
0: And I definitely second that. I mean, working with your best friend slash, you know, we call each other sisters. Yeah. <laughs> we It's just such an advantage already. And I know that's not the case for everybody, but for us, we just really play off of each other's strengths and weaknesses. And like, we've been, oh, it's been so interesting. We've been really getting into human design recently and learning how our human design and, you know, our signs and everything just really impacts our communication strategy. And it's been so cool to watch us grow as this business partners over the last couple of years because of this and being able to use that as a tool um, has been just awesome
1: yeah and I feel like going into business with your best friend can sometimes be really difficult but I think because if you guys especially if you guys have like complementary strengths and weaknesses and you talk everything through that's the most important part because I think a lot of times people will be like oh well she's my best friend of course we can go into business together but like you were saying you have to play into your strengths and weaknesses, like. You can't, and you have to talk about things. Like, you can't just be like, oh, we're friends. Let's go into business together.
0: (laughs) Oh, for sure. I know several people that it wouldn't
2: have worked out like this would. Yeah, I wouldn't do it with anyone else, honestly. (laughs)
1: Yeah. Yeah. And the next one is you need a business plan to start a successful business. Yes and no. You know, I truly
0: believe, and this is mostly from experience with us, huge advocate for having – a spreadsheet mapped out when it comes to your expenditure and you know what you're looking to budget for each, I guess, facet of the brand or business that you're starting. But I do think that there's just so many ebbs and flows, and I know so many entrepreneur entrepreneurs will say this, but the ebbs and flows are unpredictable, and you just never know what kind of curveballs are going to come your way. So it's good to have a strategy for sure and a game plan of what to expect. Um, especially when it comes to finances. But I think also the beauty in starting a company is learning from your community and growing it and being willing to make changes when things aren't working. And I think that sometimes having a business plan that's too rigid can put too many constraints on the partnership, on the business. Um, And at least that's our experience being a self-funded company. Now I couldn't say the same, you know, if we've approached investors and, we transition our business into that realm. I I don't have any experience with that, but I mean, you know, it's worked for us so far to just kind of go with the flow. It's been very healthy for us.
1: Yeah. And I think also with business plans, like you were saying, how you are a little bit more rigid with them and kind of, as we've seen this past year, things can change in an instant. So being too preoccupied on your business plan, I think can sometimes backfire on you because let's say you spent so long focusing on your business plan and then all of a sudden a pandemic comes and kind of throws it all away, you know, you might, you might not be able to pivot as easily as you once thought. So I, I, I'm kind of like on the fence with business plans. I'm like, I think having a rough business plan is good. Having a budget is definitely necessary, but like having one that's like a 15 page business plan that like you have every year plan and like everything that you're going to do in the next five years. I'm like, I don't know if that's necessarily that necessary anymore.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Totally on board with that. I mean, yeah, I look back on just the way things have worked out for us and the way things have manifested in such different ways. And I'm like, wow, if we would have done what we initially planned, we would be really sad right now. Like, yeah. we don't even have a business. So, yeah, yeah, it's been all about reading the room, reading the situation, and just making the proper decision as it comes up. And that's definitely, I believe, also, it takes some intuitiveness to be able to come into that and it's some experience, but I mean you live and you learn and how are you gonna learn if you don't go through it and just put yourself first in the position to take those
2: risks and make make those yeah, decisions. It's all about adapting for sure.
1: Right. And what did you guys do prior to Whimsy Official? So I know Victoria and Jasmine, you both went to Auburn. Is that where you guys met? Did you guys own other businesses? Um what was kind of like your background before Whimsy Official was a thing?
2: So there, we we met in 2013, and there was this huge football game going on in Auburn, our college town, and we actually met at a tailgate where um, lots of you know drinking, vodka sodas, uh, everything was involved, and we kind of instantly became best friends and have been ever since. And um, kind of fast forward to 2017, I had graduated college. Victoria had um, already started her graphic design business, and we really bonded over plant-based wellness. Um, one, because we both kind of struggled with different eating disorders, having a bad relationship with food and our bodies. And for me, I'd watched the documentary, What the Health, and that kind of sparked this like crazy um, plant-based recipe obsession for me. And I shared that with Victoria and that served as a path of healing for both of us. And that's kind of why we're so, um, our foundation in whimsy is, is plant-based wellness because we are both so passionate about that. But, um, but yeah, that's kind of our background and how we met and how we kind of got together before Whimsy started. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: And to add to that, actually, you know, Whimsy Official is derived from our initial brainchild called Just Whimsy, where we started the mobile matcha bar and that grew so fast in a year. We grew it in a college town where no one even knew what matcha was to being a six-figure business. And we had a demand to open a brick yeah. and mortar storefront. Did that, COVID hit, we were just like, wow, this is our sign to start this beautiful product line we had always been hoping. And so, you know, we really took it as an opportunity from the universe and went for it. And when Jasmine was referring to using plant-based wellness as a form, an outlet of healing, um, that's because we throughout college both dealt with our own bouts of, eating disorders. Jasmine competed in pageants. She dealt with some severe orthorexia where she's just so, you know, particular about what food she could be eating and not really from a wellness clean perspective, more so from a caloric perspective, right? And so when you're counting calories and being so conscious of just that alone, even when you're already a small figured person, looking great, you know, a healthy young twenty two year old mm-hmm. girl like, that's not you know it's taking away so much value from your life because you're not able to focus on the experience of life itself and it's really putting a lot of um I guess I don't wanna say just pressure, but it's very all encompassing, yeah, you know, when pressure you're, too. Yeah, mm-hmm. all encompassing. And for me, I was really wanting to branch into modeling and acting and just was focused so much on the way I looked. Um, I had grown my then Instagram account to over 10K and was doing the whole influencer thing. And I was just feeling so much pressure from society and from the newfound influencer lifestyle of social media. And it just really drove me into anorexia and that became very severe. So when Jasmine introduced plant-based wellness to me, I was like, this is my saving grace. Like this is everything... I could have hoped for because, wow, I can heal my body. I can restore my weight in a way that makes me feel proud of what I'm putting in my body rather than just being told by, you know, some recovery clinic, like, oh, you need to eat 3,000 calories a day or 3,500 calories extra a day to restore your weight. Like that didn't feel natural to me. It didn't feel right. And I knew in my heart that it wasn't, it wasn't the way. So this all just manifested itself into us wanting to open that mobile matcha bar and it changed our lives forever. And
2: yeah, and we were actually working as uh, servers at a a very high end restaurant in Auburn and that we were sitting after work one day uh, drinking a glass of Prosecco and we had kind of brainstormed how we wanted to start this mobile matcha bar at first. We thought about, you know, renovating a bus and doing it that way or, you know, maybe something different, but we came to the um, conclusion that we wanted to start a mobile matcha bar. And that was, the beginning of whimsy and it was called whimsy beverage bar back then
1: wow that's incredible and with that did you ever how long was like the mobile matcha bar a pop-up or like when did covid hit like when did the plans change to make it like an online direct-to-consumer um company
0: yeah so we actually so we started whimsy beverage bar in 2018 it was i think september yeah 2018. september it's so crazy we had this idea in july literally opened within <laughs> two months like had a custom uh, concession trailer built out for us like we moved fast like i will say that we moved very fast but all the stars aligned and we were able to make it happen and swing it financially and opened that september 2018 um that progressed and grew for the over the course of a year and then by October of 2019 we opened our brick and mortar shop and then you know when we had the truck we call it the truck the mobile matcha bar (laughs) this is how we refer to it but we had the truck and we knew like there was a demand people were like I love your matcha so much but I can't always find you guys or sometimes you know you're doing a pop-up out of town is there any way you could package your matcha in jars so that we can buy it and have at home And that is when we really had that aha moment. And this was, you know, late 2018, Mm -hmm. we were just like, okay, that could be like a really great source of income for us. And it could be a way to allow people to enjoy our matcha at home. Like, let's try it. So we started like a whole separate D to C line called whimsy matcha, just super simple, kind of an extension of our current brand. And it was so different. It was all pink. The jars were so tiny. Um, you know the matcha was still ceremonial grade. It was excellent quality, but definitely nowhere near what we have now with our current farm in Kyoto, which they're absolutely amazing. Kudos to them for producing such amazing matcha. But you know we just knew in our hearts, like we we're like, okay, this is this is the move. Like we want to like expand on this. Like let's rebrand it. Let's really go all in and create something. But you know having the the truck and then the chaos honestly i'll say it was chaos trying to open a (laughs) brick and mortar with so much going on training lots of employees and things and we just didn't really have the time or energy to pour our hearts into whimsy official which is what it is today um so when covid hit it was such a weird time for us you know we as it was for everybody it just was such a shock and didn't no one knew what was really going on no one knew what the health of their business was going to be looking like And if we were even going to come out of it, you know, everyone was kind of expecting like this could last years. We just don't know. So we made the decision, Mm -hmm. like, let's just go ahead and close because, you know, even when it's time to reopen again, it's just going to be so different than anything that we ever envisioned for us having a brick and mortar. So made that decision in March of last year. So March of 2020 to close and just never reopened and immediately went ham on developing with official which was already in the works on the back end but just like i said we didn't really have that energy to be able to focus solely on it and we just saw it as a really nice pivot for us to be able to keep our current customer base while also reaching a whole new market of people um by really expanding upon that direct-to-consumer platform.
1: Yeah. I mean, you guys do move very fast and I feel like you pivot super quickly, which is such a good quality to have in business owners because like you said, I mean, things can change in a second. So being able to make those hard decisions like closing and not reopening and then going online and focusing on your brand, all of those things are such pivotal moments. So I think it's great that you guys are very quick with them. Um, And I'm curious on from like July to September, you guys had the idea, you started the truck. Let's take it back to like 2018 now. And how did you open so quickly? Like how was the, when did you establish the company or did you just kind of do it first, like freelancing it or like self, you know, like maybe like sole proprietor stuff or like what, how did you find the manufacturer for the matcha that quickly? Like, I'm just now curious on like for other people listening that might want to start something right away um, and they know that they want to go all in, I feel like it can be intimidating. People think, oh my God, it's going to take three years for me to do something. So I would love to know kind of your timeline and like what you did each week or, you know, what the process was like back then with opening up the truck.
0: For sure. Oh my gosh, Natalie. It was so It was funny. crazy. It was, yeah. yeah,
1: but it's, it's really funny
0: too because – I mean, there we were, two 22-year-old girls, or were we 23 at that
2: time? We were 23. We're
0: 25 now. We were 22. We were
2: 22.
0: (laughs) So, yeah, so we were 22-year-old girls at the time, and, you know, we knew – I knew about business on a, like, service-based level because I had started my design firm, and that was going really well. But having a product-based company was something so far out of our realm. We just knew – we had a passion for wellness and we wanted to bring it to the South and we were going to do it no matter what it took. And so we really just started building out the concept. Luckily with my graphic design knowledge and skills, I was able to do all of our branding and um, we collaborated on just kind of what we thought it should look like. And we first explored the option of doing a brick and mortar initially. Then we realized like, okay, that's not going to work. We don't have the money for that. So, how can we make this mobile and do it in a way that's affordable for us? within then our I think it was like 50, it was about fifteen to twenty thousand dollar budget um, that we had in startup capital to be able to launch Whimsy Beverage Bar. So, we just really spend every waking hour of our lives planning and running errands and just researching. And um, to be honest with you, we really took a leap of faith because we were working as servers at a high end restaurant. Um, That was really sustaining us as we were making these different career changes in our lives. And we said, okay, we can either try to hold down this job and get everything ready and it, it maybe take six months to do, or we can quit our job, just go at it full force and get it up and running in two months and then just live on our savings until then. And so we both made the commitment to do that. And like, we were serious about it. We started the planning, we started we created our entity, um, I believe it was June of 2018. Um, so we had it all like official, I mean, as a, as a partnership um, through our city that we were living in and of course the state of Alabama. And we just started like building out like what we would need, like what kind of supplies we would need, what the products would be. And when I say we weren't smart about it, like we were not smart about it. Now that 15 to 20K would have stretched so much further Um, than it did then because, I mean, one, we weren't even buying at wholesale for a lot of the things. We had actually the matcha. You talk about, you asked about sourcing, Natalie. And so um, we had just found a brand online that we followed. And we were like, oh, this is great. Like, we can just ask them if we can have, like, a small discount code. And we can just, we can purchase our matcha from them. And so we literally, we were just buying everything At um, at retail price, which is so crazy, because it took us a couple of months into the business, and we were like, hmm, "We're not making, we're not doing
2: something right." (laughs) Yeah,
0: we're not making any money. What's going on here? And so we just had had a complete just overhaul of everything we were doing, and we just dissected every piece of the business, and that was definitely like one of the first learning lessons, like our learning experiences for us. To be able to realize like what we were doing wrong and what we can do differently to just grow as people and as business owners um, who had never done something like that before.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's crazy at how quickly you guys did it. And also it's really inspiring too, because a lot of people that listen to this are people that want to start a business. You know, they want to be entrepreneurs. And so many times people always ask, well, how, like, how do I even make that first step? And I think people are so scared to make mistakes that they just don't start. You know, they're like, oh, I I, I don't know what I'm doing. So I'm just like not going to do it, but they want to. And so I think this, like if anyone's listening to this, this is kind of a reminder to just go for it and start doing it. Like I'm sure in those moments, you probably were Googling everything. You were looking up everything online. Did you guys have any mentors that you guys talked to? Or was it really just you two?
0: So we did have a few. I will say that like as I was handling a lot more of the financial planning aspect I had spoken to someone he was actually our boss at the restaurant we worked at he was a part owner of the restaurant and he also was a wealth manager like on the side and accountant a CPA so he would he was able to give me a lot of really great advice honestly his name is Richard he's a really nice man but um, <laughs> but he told me about like actually just doing the bookkeeping and Making sure that you create something called a pro which was crazy to me when he told me. I remember feeling so intimidated, like, oh, this sounds like so complex, but I actually just watched a few YouTube videos and it really taught me a lot about managing your money and um, how to just make sure that you're doing your bookkeeping correctly. And that really helped us out a lot um, along the way.
2: Yeah. And kind of going back to like the, like Googling things, some advice for anybody that is looking to start a business, like Google is such a great resource and you would be surprised what you can learn off of YouTube. There are different, you know, platforms out there that offer courses and different things like that. And just know that the mistakes will happen and it's okay. And you just have to keep learning from those mistakes. I mean, that's one of the biggest takeaways we have from the the very beginning of our business. Mm
0: -hmm. And even if it's a big mistake, like, I mean, recently even, I ordered some stuff for our for one of our products when we hadn't finalized everything completely, and we wasted thousands of dollars on this packaging, and I'm just like, okay, wow, that's so avoidable. It's because we were jumping the gun and trying to get this going too quickly when all we needed to do really was just kind of slow down, and so I would just say remembering to slow down and just giving yourself grace and knowing like this is a learning curve. This is an experience and you have to appreciate the journey just as much as you do the destination because when it comes to entrepreneurship there just is absolutely no final destination
1: yeah and i think i I, like what you were saying about making mistakes and like giving yourself grace you also learn so much from those mistakes and i feel like they're so crucial to make mistakes especially in the beginning because you'll be making mistakes The rest of your business like you're never gonna have a year where there's no mistakes that were made so it's always better to learn in the beginning and make those maybe bigger mistakes in the beginning or you know like learn so that in the future you can really look at it from a lens that's like okay let's not do that because last time when i did this this happened so i think honestly mistakes shouldn't be looked at as necessarily the worst thing because you learn so much from them Um, And so I really appreciate you guys sharing that because so many times founders of companies obviously don't share it because why would you? You know, you don't want to announce to your customers, oh, guys, we made a mistake. (laughs) Like that's not something you really want to share. But I always appreciate when founders of companies open up and talk about the challenges because it really gives – hope to people who are just kind of in the beginning journey and maybe they made their first mistake or they're, you know, they're, they're starting their company out. So I think it gives a lot of hope and it gives also a lot of like inspiration to people who are trying to create their businesses. Absolutely, I agree. And mm-hmm. that's also just something we're so,
0: so, um, I guess advocating for is just Being transparent.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This
0: transparency, Um, from the, you know, business side of things. And of course, you know, you have your things that you want to keep inside of the company and that's normal as well. But I think that we just like to use every opportunity we can to teach others because we do get people reach out to us um, regularly, like on our personal accounts or even on the business account, asking us questions about how did you get started or what do you recommend for this? And we want to be a resource and a tool for other people and not have that, I use this word so much, but have that elitism surrounding owning a business because really anyone can do it. You just got to put your mind to it and have a game plan and just go for it with your heart.
1: Right. And with Whimsy Official, you guys started, like you said, in the matcha bar or the matcha truck, you know, the mobile matcha bar. And then you guys decided to open the brick and mortar. You guys closed the brick and mortar. Now you're all online. How is that Transition, like how, what from compared to what you started as just like that mobile matcha bar to now, is that something you knew you would get to in the beginning? Like, did you figure in the very beginning when you started, like, we're going to expand from the mobile bar, or you kind of just thought, we're going to do the mobile bar and that's it? Like, how did it kind of go from like one spot to another, or was that planned kind of the whole time?
2: I think it was kind of a little bit more open ended when we started the mobile matcha bar. We definitely didn't know that we were going to be solely e e commerce at this point um but you know working in the mobile matcha bar then moving into a brick and mortar especially towards the end of having our cafe we just felt in our hearts and our souls that doing something solely online really resonated with us a lot better um we we feel like it really is more who we are as individuals and we wanted to make a larger impact by being online so we were definitely able to do that and it's so cool because our first two products, our GlowGetter Collagen Blend and our Ceremonial Grape Matcha, they were our two best-selling drinks in our mobile matcha bar and our cafe. Just obviously in in drink form and not in uh, like supplement form. But we get to kind of carry those two little pieces of you know the past of our business into into our future and our present. So that's been really cool. And the the transition for us was pretty pretty easy, honestly, going from a cafe to being e-commerce because it just it was more true to who we are as people
0: Mm -hmm, for sure and we also went back to what jasmine was saying about it being more of an open-ended thing we knew in you know the back of our minds like okay there's a chance that we could grow and Mm -hmm. you know eventually have a brick and mortar cafe but we kind of were in the this idea and this headspace of, like, well, what if we have multiple matcha bars, like, all over the place? And so we thought that that could be an idea and an opportunity for us as well. But I think that once you're working in the heat and cold weathers without any air conditioning or heat for a year, I think you start to see things a little differently.
2: So you do.
0: That changed
2: me. You definitely do. But we're so grateful for the time that we did have on the mobile matcha bar. I mean, we talk about all of the memories we have doing that. And we, we made such a huge impact on our community by introducing these adaptogens and matcha and things that people had never heard of before. So it was so cool to know that we, we kind of started that, you know, in, in the Southeast and, you know, knowing that we made that impact was really meaningful to both of us.
1: Yeah. I love that. And now I want to talk a little bit more about what you guys sell and like what your products are. So you guys have your ceremonial matcha and I am someone who I love matcha, but I don't know anything about it. So if you guys could kind of explain what is the difference between ceremonial matcha and just like normal matcha or is ceremonial matcha normal? Like I I just like what yeah, what's the difference between the two?
0: Yeah. So you have your culinary grade matcha and then you have ceremonial grade matcha which are just the two separate ends of the spectrum and you know, there can be something that falls a little bit in the middle, but realistically If it's not all the way one or the other, it doesn't really matter because it's still not quite the real deal, you know? And so culinary grade is typically grown. It can be grown in many regions of Japan, Um, but one of the most, I think, prominent regions is Nishio, is that's where, like, I want to say less um, quality matcha, but it's definitely majority culinary grade. Um, it's grown directly in the sun, so those chlorophylls aren't protected by shade at all, um, which just yields a lower quality ingredient. And then your ceremonial grade is typically coming out of Kyoto, Uji, Japan, which is um, just a nice, tiny, quaint town that has been just producing matcha for years and years. So they just have such a heritage and culture in the way that they grow and produce this matcha. And so um, it's just really nice that we are able to have such a great relationship with a farm that produces such quality ceremonial grade matcha. And you're getting so many awesome nutritious value with that as well because you're getting the chlorophylls, which are so healthy for your skin. You're also getting a very large range of antioxidants, like premium high-quality antioxidants that are so great for heart health and then, of course, protecting your body from free radicals. So, I mean, ceremonial grade is just where it's at in terms of flavor profile. It's so bold and umami and makes the best matcha latte, if I do say so ourselves, (laughs) (laughs) or if we say so ourselves. But, But yeah, I mean, there's just different reasons why you would want to gravitate towards ceremonial grade as opposed to culinary grade. And when it comes to spotting the difference, you will know by the color, if it's like neon green bright, bold, um, that's that's definitely going to be your ceremonial grade matcha. But if it has more of like a murky, almost like a brown undertone to it, that's where you can identify that it's culinary grade.
1: Got it. And are there, so I know like a lot of now like coffee shops sell matcha or, you know, random, random like restaurants might sell matcha. How can you tell if it's like ceremonial grade or if it's not or if it's like mixed with other stuff because I do know like I I remember looking up I wanted to have a matcha and the only thing near me was Starbucks and I was like I feel like Starbucks would probably have like the lowest grade matcha just because it's like fast food and whatever so I was like let me look up if this is healthy and there's so many grams of sugar in it so I was like I don't think this is that healthy um, so how can I tell like when I go somewhere if like what's legit
0: <laughs> so Yeah, no, for sure. And I know Starbucks specifically, they mix in actual like white cane sugar, like refined sugar. And so that's where that sweetness comes in. Matcha itself is not sweet at all. It's actually very earthy and um, has like a very natural tea-like flavor to it. But um, I just always tell people to ask, you know, just say, hey, do you guys know where your matcha comes from or if it's culinary grade or ceremonial grade or if it has sugar in it and if a cafe doesn't know it's likely that they're it's using not a good sign. <laughs> yeah it's likely that they're using culinary grade because you know people who retail and who serve ceremonial grade it's something to be proud of because It's such a beautiful product, and you know, in Japan, it's a it's a ceremony for them, which is where the name ceremonial grade matcha comes from. It's it's a ritual. It's something that they cherish every single day. So you know, especially as we've adapted it in the U.S., we want to make sure not to culturally appropriate it and to be able to give that credit where credit's due, and to just say that we have the privilege of honoring that type of ceremonial experience. And it's just a, such a beautiful thing.
2: It is. And and getting to wake up and, you know, whisk our matches in the morning and drink them and just have like a nice, slow morning has become such a ritual for both of us. And we we can't say enough good things about It's Truly, it's improved our lives. It has helped with anxiety, depression. I mean, it, it really has helped us both out a lot.
1: Yeah, yeah. No, that's, that's so cool that you guys – are able to bring that and, you know, give it to people, especially starting in the Southeast, but now to everyone online and people can experience that for themselves too. And finding your manufacturer, finding, I don't know if manufacturer is the right word, maybe farm or I'm like not, too technical with matcha, so correct me if I'm wrong, but finding the people that grow your matcha, um, how like how did you go about that process? Like, Do you have connections to people in Japan? Did you go physically to Japan? Are there websites where you can look this stuff up? Or how did you guys end up finding your farm in um, Kyoto? I think you said it was in... Yes, in
0: Kyoto. So yeah, there are so many ways that you can go about it, but Realistically, um, when it comes down to it, it's just establishing those relationships and, you know, finding what you're looking for um, when it comes to finding your manufacturer and reaching out and doing taste tests. And, you know, if it's a really great high level um, family owned farm, like they're going to require you to purchase it. You know, we didn't get any of our samples for free. We, you know, ordered full size products from them and tried it. And um, I wouldn't call them manufacturers. I would just say that they're family-owned farms because these people really take so much pride in what they do and they have generations who've been working on their family-owned farm and they just, they're very selective about who they're working with. I will say something that we get asked or we got asked when we were searching for the correct farm that we wanted to work with was, well, how much are you looking to order from us and how fast do you think you're going to sell it? Because their reputation is so important to them as well as You know, being in Uji, Kyoto, Japan, producing the most premium matcha, and they just want to make sure that a new, smaller brand who doesn't have the capacity to sell that kind of volume is able to actually get it out because matcha has a shelf life. And um, luckily in our jars, the shelf life can last usually around four to six months. Um, just because we have UV blocking glass jars that helps to keep out the bad UV rays and holds in the kind of rays that actually recharges the product naturally. But um, but typically the shelf life is going to be under three months for most matchas, especially if it's coming in like a little tin jar or a bag.
1: Well, yeah, I, I had no idea about that. So that's all very um i feel like really cool to learn about because i'm so far removed from like that industry that i think it's really cool learning and now i know where to get my matcha and where not to get my matcha (laughs) especially if i'm like ordering it out um and so you guys have expanded from matcha as well you guys like you said had collagens you guys even have some skincare how was that decision like bringing in new products and like what was the thought process behind that too
2: We knew that we wanted to launch a skincare product or move into skincare before we started Whimsy Official. And we had been formulating this product for over a year now before we launched. And it's so cool to have something that is low comedogenic, that is essential oil-free, is allergen-friendly. And it's something that is inclusive to all skin types, which what that means is that it has a sebum-mashing technology, and it's going to match the the natural oil production in your skin, no matter who you are, no matter what your skin concerns are. And me and Victoria both have very different skin types. So to, when we were t- kind of testing this out to have something that worked so great on both of us and with other people that were testing the product as well, um, we knew that it was gonna be something really big and kind of setting a new standard for clean beauty.
1: Yeah, that's amazing and it's crazy how it take, took a whole year, like a whole year to actually get it into your hands because I feel like so many times people think, oh, this is going to be really quick. I want to launch the skincare line, but skincare especially needs so much testing and I feel like – like I, how did you go about like creating the formula? Was this something that you guys had created or you consulted with like chemists or with like who did you – I guess like yeah, how did you create it? Like, <laughs> and, like how did you decide the ingredients that would go into it?
0: We actually uh, we initially thought that we were going to work with a lab in Malibu, California, and we had set up a meeting with them. Spoke through our product with them and just really got like their expert opinion or so we thought on um, what the product should be and what we had expected it to be. And we didn't really like the suggestions that we were being given, and it wasn't just by them. There was many different labs that work within the clean beauty space and. Something that really stuck out to us was, um, I mean, of course, you know, when you're working in e-commerce or any business, really, the goal is, you know, your bottom line is to be profitable. You can't sustain a business without being profitable. But I think that what really stuck out to us was that everyone kept altering our formula and what we wanted out of it, and we just weren't happy with what people were proposing to us. And one of the ingredients that everyone was trying to put or suggest us put into our formula was caprylic triglycerides. And so um, I'm sure a majority of people, if you go into your bathroom, look in your medicine cabinet or wherever you keep your skincare products and look on the label of a box or on the product, you'll see that as an ingredient in your serum or your face oil and that to us was like, okay, well, what is this? Like, Let's look into it further. This was at the very early stages, um, just for a little timestamp on um, when this was during our development process of our Halcyon Botanic Serum. But we were a little bit concerned when we realized like, okay, caprylic triglycerides are just a fractionated coconut oil which we both knew from experience that we did not like putting coconut oil on our skin because Mm -hmm. it has a propensity to break the skin out. I mean, everyone will tell you like when you're looking on articles like, oh, coconut oil is so good for the skin, which is mind-blowing, honestly, because (laughs) it actually, you know, yeah, it has those antimicrobial properties, but it's actually clogging your pores over time and causing breakouts and causing discoloration and a bunch of other things. Um, And so learning that capillic triglycerides is simply put just coconut oil in skincare form. Um, It was like, okay, well, why is this going in every product? Is it to preserve it? Like what's going on? And they told us it's to keep the cost per unit down um, to a low figure, which we initially, we didn't even have a cost per unit in mind. We just were like, we want to produce something amazing. Like we want people to rave about this, love it. We wanted to empower people to feel good in their own skin, no matter what skin type they have. And so that was our first red flag. So we crunched some numbers, did some math to see, like, okay, will we be able to afford to build out our own facility and do an in-house manufacture in small batches so that, one, our products stay pure and good and, you know, they don't exceed a shelf life or, you know, that you never know with that kind of stuff. Like we wanted to be mindful and make sure that people are getting new, fresh products every single time. Um, yeah. And then two, we said we can control what we're putting in it and we won't have any pushback from, you know, some lab owner or facility. So um, we looked into doing that and then we knew like, okay, well we need to consult with a chemist, like an organic chemist who can tell us everything we need to know about ingredients and where to source them. and um, Because ethical sourcing is so important to us as well. Um, and so we actually contracted a chemist on retainer who helped us throughout the whole formulation process and gave us so much insight. She gave us so much insight about just, you know, like I said, the the origins as well as like each specific type of oil and like what the comedogenic scale even is. And that changed the game for us. And we were really able to do our own research from there and develop something that, um, you know, took a lot of trial and error, but it just mm-hmm. was very well worth
1: the wait yeah that's i mean i feel like that's incredible how it really shows your integrity also of you know you could have just done the triglycerides and been like okay yeah it'll probably be cheaper we can make a bigger profit but you really wanted to create something that was amazing and people have also found that it's been amazing because i saw that you guys have been featured in press like allure w bustle like all of those and i'm pretty sure most of those were for the skincare product right am i correct on that
2: yeah. Um, yes. Mostly for the the skincare product and people, people love our collagen um, too, but yeah, it's such an honor to be featured in these publications. These are things that we have dreamed about our entire life. So to see it actually come into fruition, we are incredibly grateful and thankful that people are loving our products just as much as we do.
1: Yeah. And how was the, I guess, How how did you like how was the feeling of getting into press like that? Because I feel like for me, for example, I am someone who grew up reading magazines. I'm someone who grew up loving Allure and like, you know, all of these magazines that would I would get a subscription to every single month that came to my door or I would like beg my mom to buy it at the grocery store. Like how was that like seeing your product in one of those publications? Well,
0: I totally resonate with that. Unreal. I literally grew up reading all the magazines and just would like sit on my bed in high school, flipping through them thinking like one day I'm going to own a brand and it's going to be in these magazines. And, um, just seeing it, like Jasmine said, come to fruition was really a surreal experience because one, you know, we have put in all this work to really develop something beautiful that people will cherish. But also our press team, um, they told us early on like, okay guys, the goal, you know, we want a Lord to cover you, but, you know please don't get discouraged if it doesn't happen they're a very tough outlet to work with because they are just so particular about the products that they feature you know allure is the beauty bible in in media and so getting that allure stamp of approval was honestly Insane. such an amazing feeling for us because we were like we did it like they mm. love our product and then the rest of the press just started to follow and then the dm started flooding in the emails and it's just really amazing and We have so many different retail partners interested in working with us at this point. And it's just, we really feel so proud of what we've created, but we also, we can't take full credit because we have built out these amazing expert teams that are able to consult us along the way and help us build this brand. I mean, it takes a village, truly. It does, yeah. It it just never would have happened, though, if we wouldn't have just stayed true to who we are as people and what we believe in, in terms of the ethos of our company. And that has just taken us so far. Authenticity is, is the number one reason where why we are where we are today.
1: Yeah. No, I mean, I'm always curious. After you get one of those, like, alert stamp of approvals, like, you know, you're in the beauty Bible, like you said, did, did things change after that? I know you said, like, DMs flooded and emails came. But, like, was it, like, an overnight, like, you were on their website, you were in their magazine, and, like, you started getting so many sales? Or, like, what was that? What's, I guess, the experience like being in these big publications for your product that just launched in January. So not that long ago, you know, it's been, it hasn't been that too, too long.
2: It has been a lot of traction coming from these features in Allure and these other larger publications. I mean, I think it's, it's crazy because we we're here every single day and we're, we're working on whimsy official every single day. So sometimes it's hard for us to kind of sit back and like look at the small amounts of growth that we experienced that we just kind of talked about recently we're like wow this this is what true growth feels like and this is what we have been working for for honestly years now um and to see all of this happening at this point is it's just so crazy but it's so fulfilling and to know that we're making an impact on so many people um that these publications are are approving our products and and people are listening to them and it, I don't know, just getting the word out there has, has made a really big difference for both of us and whimsy official as a whole.
1: Yeah. And what is next for whimsy official? If you guys can share anything, like what, I guess, what are your next plans?
0: Yeah. So we currently have five products on our website and some of them are retailed with retail partners, but we, we have our ceremonial grade matcha. Our Glow Collagen Blend, Halcyon Botanic Serum, our new edition, which is a natural organic lip care product called Lip Queen Number 1, which, oh, it's so awesome. It literally tastes like, it's nostalgia, like a slap <laughs> of nostalgia in the face um, from when we were kids and we would use the smackers, like strawberry lip glosses and um
2: an and adult lip smacker yeah, <laughs>
0: um but and then we also have our japanese hand um chasen or matcha whisk um and so we feel that we have a pretty well-rounded product range at the moment and we really want to give people ample opportunity to partake in that and to enjoy what we have but we definitely have other product launches planned um throughout the year not a ton because another mission of our company is we never want to overwhelm people with an an insane amount of product SKUs, right? So we're wanting to keep it attainable on a human-to-human human level, and make sure that our all of our essentials are well tested and well thought through. And we're never trying to just launch products just to say we're launching something new. And so um, there's some fun stuff coming up, but I will say we're focusing a lot more on the clean skincare and beauty space because you know it's something that we're just so passionate about, and we do believe in taking care of your body and that beauty and wellness comes, it starts on the inside and works its way out. But I just think that there's such a movement happening in clean beauty where greenwashing is just the everyday norm and um, people aren't as transparent as you think that they are. And so we really want to set a new standard and we've, develop these pillars within our business and what we created as the whimsy official standard of clean beauty. And we're wanting to just get the word out and let people know that we hear your concerns and we're wanting to make products that um, are good for everyone and that are truly inclusive to all skin types.
1: Yeah, that's amazing. You guys are doing such an amazing job and I am so happy that I had the chance to interview you. I also need to order your matcha like immediately because I feel like I, my matcha is from Trader Joe's and for some reason I feel like they're probably not the best. So <laughs> I need to order yours now. Um, but thank you so much, Victoria and Jasmine, for coming on my podcast. This was amazing and like I'm so happy again, like I said, to have the chance to interview you guys. Where can they find Whimsy Official and also your social media platforms as well so our instagram
2: is at official whimsy and then um you can shop at whimsyofficial.com my personal instagram is um jas.lee underscore so jazz.lee underscore
0: my personal social media on instagram is at victoria emaccabee
1: maccabee spelled m-c-a-b-e-e That was it for the podcast. Let me know what you guys think of it. Be sure to follow us on Instagram. Give it five stars if you enjoyed and share it on your stories so that you can get reposted. Anyways, I love you guys so much. Thank you again for listening and I'll see you guys next week with my hundredth episode. That is absolutely crazy, but see you guys then.